0: Hey everybody, Uh, I'm actually doing this podcast on time. It's on Sunday, 8, 23, 2020. Uh, I'm going to read some more of the Ashenborn book, page 63 to probably about 20 pages or so. All right, without further ado, let's get started. The morning of the Ashen dawned brightly. The sun shone and birds sang as Silafil trudged slowly to the opposite end of the sword room, which was decorated with numerous weapons, both common and exotic some of them he had never used nor did he know how to use them properly standing opposite him was kordok his back also turned slothio and kordok were tired from days of training they had each poured themselves into preparation for the competitions of the ashen they both were aware of the eyes of their younger brother jacobin who stood anxiously outside the barrier of the sparring area begin the armory attendant said Sloughfield gripped the wooden sword tightly, leveling it with his shoulder in an offensive position. He and Kordok had been training for many hours prior to this event, and both of them were well warmed up for the coming day. Kordok rolled his arm and tilted his head. Their blood was boiling, and both were eager to fight. With the many spars they had fought, Sloughfield predominantly remained ahead of Kordok. He was sure that his brother was getting better with every time they met blades, which concerned him. Salafiel smiled and closed his eyes. Kordok chose to tilt his blade slightly in a perfect position to block him if need be. Salafiel grinned knowingly and moved forward at a slow pace. Kordok had used the same stance several times prior in fights and he was familiar with its use. Salafiel changed the position of the wooden training sword to adapt. He knew this was his opportunity to take the offensive. As he moved, Kordok's movements smeared his with a loud crack of wood. You're too quick, Salafiel laughed. Kordok was a keen observer of most things, and he often caught on to more than even Salafiel did in swordplay, even though he had a trained eye in swordsmanship himself. With a blur of movement, Salafiel struck harshly, only to be countered by Kordok's quickness. Salafiel circled left and attempted another blow, but found it equally unsuccessful. Within a few moments, the rest of the room was a blur to him, and all Salafiel focused on was the exchange of blows. Salafiel exposed a weakness and was able to land a smack upon Kordok's wrist wrist. Korok's blue eyes squinted, and his mouth scrunched in a scowl. Slafiel smiled and drove forward, but was rewarded with an equivalent bruise on his own hand. Kordok winked and pushed him back. Not so fast, Kordok goaded. You keep getting better, Slafiel said, acknowledging Kordok's maneuver. Eventually I'm going to be able I'm not going to, be able to hit you. Eventually I am not going to be able to hit you. Can't have my younger brother getting the best of me, Korok said as he glanced towards Jacobin. If this is your best, then I'm not worried, Jackman said coolly from outside the ropes. Slothfield smiled cheerfully and called for shields from the attendant. The stout man handed them both shields, which they tightened with leather straps. Slothfield tied his on as tight as it would allow him without cutting off his circulation. Kordok shook his head, speaking softly. Slothfield, you may be better with a sword, but if I could have a bow, he trailed off. I would look like a porcupine, Slothfield said, finishing Kordok's sentence. However, we are not using bows, he added with a wink. Kordok rolled his eyes and lifted his shield. Slothfield so, jabbed with his shield this time, pushing Kordok, and with a swift movement, he swung left, bouncing off Kordok's shield and redirecting his sword to the right. With a narrow margin, Kloff, Kordok, sorry guys, Kordok managed to block his sword with effort and a scowl. Too many times you've done this same move, Kordok mocked. Slothfield knew it wasn't so much an insult as it was an attempt to show, was to throw him off guard. He would not allow it to distract him. Silafiel shrugged and lifted his shield to block the swish of Kordok's sword. Silafiel doubled back, unable to make an offensive move, and finding himself in a corner without room to spare. Silafiel again took the offensive, pushing forward with his shield, and in one smooth motion he landed another blow to Kordok's wrist. He sighed in disappointment. This blow had won Silafiel the spar. The attendant raised a hand toward Silafiel. Jacobin collapsed slowly, an unamused look on his face. Kordok wiped sweat from his brow and unfastened his shield, handing both sword and shield to the attendant. Slafiel did the same. He struggled to suppress the grin that spread across his face. Good spar, Seph, Kordok said. Jacobin smiled. Perhaps we'll find Nash ashen. His eyes flashed. Slafiel's eyes brightened. Our strengths complement each other. We are unstoppable when we are together. He he and Jacobin. He and Kordok grasped arms respectfully. Jacobin smirked, but in the ashen we will not be fighting beside each other, he said, pushing off off the arena Kordok nodded a truth for both he said examining his bruises both his and Salafiel's arms were painted with fading marks the attendant chuckled chuckled. ah I can't read my princes you each did wonderfully you are each beyond most of Lyseville's swordsmen they valued these words as they had trained each of them as he had trained each of them numerous times in the art of deflection sword fighting bow mastery, and other skills essential for those called into battle most importantly, though, he had taught them how to fight together, utilizing each other's strengths and covering for each other's weaknesses. Kordok bowed to Slothiel, then to the attendant respectfully. And a wonderful teacher you have been, Slothiel agreed. The attendant bowed back and said, all three of you have my blessings, and I wish you the best of luck. Kordok again thanked him, and they moved into the outer hallway. At least I have a strategy for the tournament, Jacobin chuckled as he entered the hallway. Slothiel rolled his eyes. So we, that is why you watched us. All six suspect... Jacko to do something to benefit himself. Always expect jacko to do something to benefit himself, Karak said mockingly. Here I thought he was a fan of watching us clobber each other. Jacobin looked at them both confidently. As fun as that is, you can both laugh and make fun, but soon I will be wearing the mask of Arkyrus. I won't have to try very hard to do it either. There are confident men and there's Jacobin, Softfield Rap laughed realizing his statement rhymed Kordok shook his head speaking of which he said turning to Salafio which dragon mask will you take to represent you? Salafio shrugged I suppose I'll pick it according to the hue of my magic Kordok turned to Jockman. what about you? Red of course <laughs> Well I guess that leaves blue for me Korok said we never seem to vary from what is normal maybe one day we'll do something unexpected maybe so, uh, Jockman said Zark's muscular frame rounded the corner ahead of them and upon seeing the princes the general shook his head Practicing even up until the tournament, I see, I see, he said with fondness. Well, one can never really be too prepared, Kordok said, rubbing his arms where Slothil's blows had landed. Says the loser, jacobin snickered. Kordok furrowed his brow slightly as a glance towards his brother. Slothil shrugged. Zark grinned. Well, you need to be with the others at this moment. The masks will be selected soon. Though I do not see them all being taken with only you three choosing them correctly, said they wait on us. Jacobin said as he walked through the foyer into the larger hall. The hall was decorated with awards and signs of tournaments won by the three princes in previous years. Shelves mounted on the walls held chalices and sculptures that had been awarded them for their achievements. Most of the wall was covered with the names of Kordok and Slothiel. As the youngest, Jacobin's name appeared infrequently, but it was there. Slothiel noticed Jacobin looking at the wall as they walked. May this will be our year. You're your brother. There's always a chance he trot off. Jacobin didn't reply, his face impassive. Zarks waved them to the door leading out. Slaffy and Kordok continued, the light making them squint, blinded for a moment. Four horses were tied outside the armory waiting for them. Jacobin had already slipped past the other three and untied the fourth horse. He mounted and took off, leaving a trail of dust behind him on the cobblestone road, a cop of his horse's hooves fading away quickly. Your brother is always overly eager, isn't he? Zarks said, watching the dust swirl. Eh? Slothfield said, as he mounted the nearest horse. Maybe sometimes. Always, Korok said as he followed Slotfield's action. With the huff, Zarks also mounted his horse, a large, cold black style with an adorn which was adorned with white dragon roared and a golden talon insignia, representing the highest ranks in the military guard of Lysfeld. The horses cantered one by one behind the other at a steady pace the large ornate temple of the Ashborn loomed close by its luminous white marble structure gleaming in the light of the sun making it hard to look at the expanse of the courtyard that they were heading toward came into view adorned with multiple flags representing different kingdoms the large white dragon of Archirus was the largest representing the rule of the high king below it flew the flag of life yellow with eight pointed silver star the noise of the arena reached them causing the horses to hesitate The horses continued only at the urging of their riders. A loud trumpet called, and they were greeted by several silver talons who bowed as they passed. The door to the inner court opened with a creak inside. They spotted uh, Jacobin handing over the reins to his horse with a satisfied look on his face. The other three dismounted. Servants took the horses. Zarks motioned toward another door to his left. This way. I'll go now to sit by your father's side. The best of luck to each of you and do us proud by at least one of you winning, Zarks said grinning. Zarx is in rare form today. Kordok said, not ever having seen Zarx's face so expressive. He's usually pretty bland, if you ask me, Zlothiel joked. They entered the room and were embraced by the warmth of the inner quarters. The inner room was decorated with flags that had cool to those outside, each highlighted with torches. In the center were the mass of the Ashen war tournament, known as Ashenvale, and reserved for princes Or men of Lysfell. Men stood lounging against the walls, whispering amongst themselves. The whispering stopped when the princes came in. Awkward, Slafiel whispered. Anyone you recognize? Jacobin asked, scanning the room. cordog whispered, There's Prince Thornbjorn of the northern kingdom of Wolfsbane. He nodded towards a man with reddish hair and armor that had white fur garnishing it. Have you had any contact with him? Jacobin asked. Only dealings in diplomacy, but nothing so casual or interesting as this, cordog said. A strange man to wear fur in such a hot climate as Lyseville, Jockman said. They say ice runs through their veins, Slothiel said. Kordok sighed. Ice is a solid. Do you not remember our lessons? Slothiel shrugged. You know how people speak of old wives' tales. Besides, you act like I was not in their exhausting classes with you all these years. Slothiel shook his head with disgust. If there was one thing he hated, it was being cramped up in a small room for hours on end. People also said they do not feel pained pain because the cold is frozen any feelings in them jacquaman trailed off a smile forming that's lunacy of course thornbjorn's gaze met theirs with a curt nod the other attendants continued talking among themselves seeming to no longer be interested in their presence every so often a glance would come their way but they did not make much of it the center table in the room held the eight dragon masks, with each a different color each represented those of honor who had once inhabited the Lifesville. red was once worn by nathan the strong blue lie lacoan the wise Brown by Golfic the shield, purple by Goas the mind, black by Kale the merciful, gold by Sephora the kind, green by Dragos the healer, and finally silver by Tanse the brave. Each were heroines or heroes of the past who crossed plates with Dothros and died to protect others from the reaches of the darkness that would otherwise have swallowed all of the kingdoms of Archirus. Korak went first, grabbing the blue mast. The crowd looked Looking around them whispered, Slothiel grabbed the yellow gold mask. Jockman approached and grabbed the red, a serious look on his face. The remaining masks were removed as only princes or middle wife could wear them. The ones unworn would be displayed as memorials for this special day. The rest of the attendants carried their own masks, symbolic in some way of house or kingdom. The princes noticed men wearing skulls, a blue fox mask, even one that appeared to be an owl mask. Slothiel eyed his own mask suspiciously before strapping it on his head. I was worried that it would somehow make it hard to see, but there's no problem, he said, moving the mask to ensure a snug fit. Car- Doc rubbed his finger across the blue mask and turned it around in his hands. With a loud trumpeting noise, the doors opened and the light of day rushed into the room. Come forward, came the voice of Alanias. They all fouled out quietly, awkwardly bumping into one another. After all the men had exited, the door swung closed behind them a noise that could only be heard above the roar of people, around 6,000 people from different kingdoms were housed in upper seats seatings, and center was the throne of the king for observation of the events. Men and women cheered, making the air vibrate. The arena soon circled them, the flags of life fell decorated it. It stood massive, looking like a giant stone wheel. Welcome to the Ashenborn Festival, I said vibrantly, his voice carrying from his throne. Today we will celebrate the lives of the Ashenborn and those who have given their lives to protect us. His voice continued to grow louder. The crowd grew silent and out as I spoke. Many those who many know those who died to save us all, and their names are written upon the tapestries hung throughout the kingdom, he said, mushing towards various colored sigils. To be Ash Worn is to serve others and to quench the flames of the wicked. The crown was silent. The crowd was silent, clinging to the aged king's words. My sons have chosen to honor them by wearing their masks, but I ask you, how will you honor them? With just words, or how we present ourselves with our lives? Anas smiled, his eyes Slightly damp, emotions swelling within him as he as as his attention for all there could be felt. May your fires burn bright. Fight for honor outside of yourselves. Fight diligently for one another. The crowd roared, yelling the names of the men and women who had fallen. This is not just a festival for the Ashenborn, but for all those who die giving their lives in any conflict. Alanis closed his eyes for a moment. The one to one will receive the White Dragon mask, which guarantees title and the promise of trial of bright flame, the most sacred ritual of heroes and heroines. Dockerman turned to Kordok while eyeing the competition. Who do you think will win? Kordok ignored him, paying attention to his father's words. Alanias cleared his throat. Derek, our Ashenborn elder, will read the names of those participating in the first round of the competition. The sky darkened as the dragon flew over the sky. The brown dragon glided over the crowds and landed beside Alanias with their earth-shaking thud. Flames flickered from its nostrils as it roared a trumpet of a growl. The dragon turned and spewed a large torrent of bright red flames. The crowd erupted in applause. The dragon began to shrink and within seconds reverted to his familiar human form with a blinding flash of light. Derek spoke, not appearing winded at all after his transformation. This was a sign of his power. Young dragons needed time to recover after changing. He looked regal. His jeweled swords strapped to his side. On behalf of King our King Alanias and the High King Archiris, we of Lifesville welcome you to the Ashenvale. The crowd <coughs> cheered, excuse me, clapped their excitement. Derek paused to allow the noise to settle. The Ashenvale is held to celebrate those who gave their lives to protect us in the war stones. That was a long time ago but it is still relevant to us now. Derek paused and displayed the various mass, then spoke the name of each fallen ashenborn that had not been selected by the princes. He recounted the sacrifices of the heroes and heroines of the past and emphasized how they would be remembered. As he began to finish, his emotion was evident, and his eyes revealed that he had been around to live the stories he was telling. We have a free dear and it should never be relinquished, nor should we ever forget the reason we celebrate. With that being said, I present to you your contestants, Derek announced, mushing towards the men in the arena. The crowd thundered in response. The first competition is the crossing of steel. Contestants may not dismember or kill each other. Magical power is permissible insofar as the same rules are followed. Any killing will be blood for blood. I will see to that myself. Enjoy these matches. Derek's voice echoed through the arena. He mustered towards where the princes stood. The first two contestants are Prince Jacobin, who has chosen the Red Dragon, surnamed the Strong of Lysville. His opponent will be Prince Tussain of Mavate <coughs> excuse me bearing the skull and symbol of his kingdom that was quite Slothiel said he was a little surprised that one of them had been chosen for the first fight the royal horns and drums echoed the excitement in the air he had hoped none of them would be the first to fight so that he could size up the competition Jaffel struck. <laughs> strapped on his dragon mask and accepted a two- large two-handed sword Jacobin's neck was tense Chassain a large muscular man with a stark silver hair grabbed two large scimitars one in each hand he wore a mask that resembled a black skull with trees for horns the trees looked as if they were they grew from the eye sockets of the skull its roots grasping onto the inner eye both participants stepped into the center of the courtyard and their many men were directed to stand on a railed ledge overlooking the scene how nice beamed with pride to see his son the arena this meant just as much to him as it did to his sons jacobin looked toward his father and raised his sword to him the crowd cheered in delight. Jacobin lowered his shoulder and felt the weight of the sword in his hand. He let it rest for a moment and tightened his grip on the pommel. He lifted his sword above him and yelled. He turned to Sane. He couldn't see the eyes of his opponent because they were hidden by the black the, by the eye sockets of the black skull. A loud trumpet call sounded, signaling the beginning of the duel. Sane moved forward clumsily with raw power rather than skill at his disposal. The way he carried himself was familiar to Jacobin. Dozens of the guards and men he had trained with were less agile than he, and he had always determined by the way they walked how strong they were. Jacobin couldn't help but notice that the veins in Sane's neck were visible. With the first move, Sane danced to his right with both scimitars coming from each side with a quick sidestep. Jacobin moved away from the blow, blocking the left weapon with a spark of steel. His hands jolted at the first impact, a cheer from the crowd echoed through the arena, even though. To him it was a jumbled gargle. Shaking off the blow, he swung with all his might, catching Desain off guard only for a moment uh, before he leaped out of reach. So much for brutish strength. Brutish strength, Jacobin whispered bitterly. Conneying swings, Jacobin stepped forward. saying quickly crossed his blades in defense, blocking him before pushing Jacobin backward, causing him to topple into the dirt. Thus floated around him, a downward slash from Desain slashed against the side of his sword and held him in place. With a push, he rolled away from it and moved into a crouched position. Jochemin could feel how slow he was as he moved to reposition his sword. He could taste steel in his mouth. You shouldn't have used such a heavy weapon against me, Sane said with a crisp foreign accent. Jacobin laughed and dusted off his back. Still able to hold up the sword with one hand, but the motion was nothing more than a feint. He had hoped to go a little longer, but he knew lighter weapons suited him. You would do better if you had two more, besides it's not that heavy. Jacobin said his, his magic flashed. Jacobin grabbed and twisted the palm of the sword, causing a small divot and blade and hilt to separate into two smaller sword into a second smaller sword, which had then been removed from the larger blade. Jacobin now had two swords, neither of which were com- compromised by the division. Tosain snorted a well-crafted weapon, very deceptive. Jacobin swung the small of the blades in, in a circle, making a whirling noise. Sane sneered and lumbered forward with a clang and spark from the blades. He pushed Jacobin again. The exchange was quick but ineffective for them both. They both backed up and met each other, blow for blow and blur of motion. Jacobin noticed that Sane was slipping. His clumsiness was more pronounced. Jacobin smiled confidently at the change of pace. With a quick correction, Jacobin swung his swords up, hitting the blades out of Sane's hands completely. He nearly laughed easy he managed he imagined the expression beneath the mask. Beneath the mask. Before Tissane's sword had even set on the ground, a freed away, Jacobin had already lowered his shoulder and knocked him to the ground. tsain rolled with ease out of his reach and retrieved one of the swords. I have no idea Mavet had has such gr- strong swordsmen. Oh my goodness. I, sorry, y'all. I had no idea Mavet had such strong swordsmen. Slothiel. I mean, Jacobin smiled. I can't talk. The black skull... Mask tilted with amusement, clearly aware of the sarcastic nature of the comment. There are a few of us who are leagues above the others. Jacobin rolled his eyes. So what does that make you? A foot above the ground? It's the same laughed easily in response. Jacobin repositioned his mask, which had slipped due to the sweat on his brow. Same moved more smoothly as he walked towards him, holding the single sword. Jacobin stood in a defensive position, blades along the blades along his forearms. <clears throat> Sane looked around him and stopped walking, his gaze on something in the crowd. Distracted, Giacomo flicked his blades around. Ja- Tassane moved clumsily into a run, his lips opened in a silent roar. The moment was slow, and Giacomo was able to maneuver under the first would be strike and parry the second before ripping the sword from ja- Tassain's hands, using both blades in opposite motions. His opponent fell hard to the ground. Giacomo held his blades at Tassane's throat and heaved a sigh. The crowd erupted in cheers. Slothfiel yelled loudly above the others. Tissane lay sprawling on the ground, removing his mask. Jacobin sheathed his blades and offered his hand. Tassain accepted it gratefully and stood up bef- beside him. Looking at Tassain's face, Jacobin realized Tassain was around the same age as Zarks. Good fight, Tassain said. Jacobin nodded and shook Tassain's outreach gauntlet. Grip was like a clamp and he felt his fingers go numb. Cheers erupted from around them, the crowd was obviously pleased with the outcome. Tussain still clasped his hands, his hand looking him hard in the face. Jacobin thought his fingers were broken before he released them, or would be broken before they released him. Until the next meeting, Tussain said, finally releasing Jacobin's hand. The crowd cheered at the wind. Jacobin bowed and could not remove the grin from his face. Kordok tried not to appear too excited, a quality that seemed to be lost on Salafield as he was jumping up and down. The same disappeared under the shadow of the arena where healers checked him in for injuries. This is so exciting, Salafiel exclaimed. The drums pounded again. Kordok chuckled. He could feel himself getting fired up, too. Elder Derek approached the upper arena, his hand outstretched towards Jacobin. The first round goes to Lysville's Prince Jacobin. Derek paused, allowing the crowd's cheers to die down in volume. Round two will begin with yet another prince of our kingdom. Elder Derek winked to Salafiel. I think I'm next. Slothiel sat gripping the edge of the barrier anxiously. The next fires will be Kordok of Eliasville, surnamed the Wise, and Thornburn of Wolfsbane. The crowd erupted in cheers again. Slothiel looked displeased, of course, and to think I held out hope I would fight a good opponent such as him. Kordok winked, perhaps some other time. With agility, Kordok jumped into the arena, landing lightly. Do not lose. Slothiel called down barely. Kordok shook his head. He knew how his brother often wanted to fight the best swordsman to get better. He believed this was the reason Slothiel often won them when practicing with his brothers. Thornbjorn tended the steps, sweat pouring from his forehead. He was garbed in fur, fur armor, but was not wearing a mask. Kordok noticed this with amusement, thinking Thornbjorn's forehead was so shiny it reminded him of the morning sun. Thornbjorn walked unevenly, until he was standing at the rear, and the familiar pounding of the drums reached Kordok. All right, guys. Well, I think that's where I'm gonna end it. Thank you, guys. Um, definitely excited to read this with you guys. I apologize. Uh, I do have dogs downstairs. I'm working on soundproofing this room at some point. And, uh, also I'm not a very good reader when it comes to reading to people. I read much faster in my brain, in my brain, in my head than I do actually out loud, but thank you guys. And, uh, yeah, I'll post I'll Hopefully keep posting me tweak. Thanks so much. Have a blessed one. Peace.